It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's working for the Cincinnati Bengals offense and what is it? We're going to break all that down and why the defense continues to excel. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by Mike Santagata at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter for our film review episode. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network here on Locked On Bengals, bringing you coverage of your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So we appreciate all of you who subscribe, who follow, and who make us your first listen. Today's episode of Locked On Bengals is presented by Prize Picks, which is daily fantasy made easy. You just pick two to five players, and if they'll score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you're going to get up to a 100% instant deposit match with a 100% up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com promo code locked on. And guys, we're going to get into what's going well for this offense, what's not working for this offense. And that's where we're going to start because on my rewatch, and Mike, you can, you can tell me what you think about this. The passing offense actually seems to be in a large way to me back on track. At least they were against Miami after they figured out what was going on. I thought pass protection was better than I thought it was when I watched live actually for the most part and certainly better than the PFF grades. What what did you think of the passing offense, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I have said over the past couple of weeks, I'm like, yeah, the shotgun offense is there. It's just nothing else. Uh, And the shotgun offense isn't doing enough to carry the entire offense. It was more like in a, yeah, this part's fine. It's not great. Last week or well, Thursday, (laughs) I would say it was good enough to carry the entire offense because, uh, the whole passing offense in general, just the pass, uh, the passing game seems to be working really well. There's a few reasons for that, but one of them is the pass protection. I think it was better this week than it was the past few weeks. Although Burrow is also making guys miss a little bit more now. I love that time he stepped in between the two defenders. Ram took a big hit. Don't like that, but I like when he make the guy when he made the guys miss. And uh, but. I think the communication is getting even uh, better and better each week with the pass protection run game. I still don't know if it's there. That is a little bit more tricky with all the combos and double teams and whatnot, but with passing off games and stunts and they let these guys gain a little bit extra depth to stay on level, but they're doing a pretty good job of passing all that off. And even guys like Jonah Williams are stepping up and playing as good as I thought they would to start the season. When you went back and rewatched the game, what did you think of Burrow's performance? Because I got to be honest with you, like, and, and I'm thinking about, uh, there was a, a a couple three and outs where it just felt like everything was just stopped. And Burrow misses Higgins uh, on the outside, and I don't know if their timing was off or if it was just a bad ball by him. But I was like, eh, Burrow's played pretty well, but not great, right? This wasn't – you can't zero me, Joe Burrow. And then I looked at the numbers, and it's 20-31, 287, two touchdowns, 114 quarterback rating. The numbers look awesome. What did you think overall when you went back and watched Joe Burrow of how he played on Thursday? 
It's like a BB minus. The thing that really stuck out to me was that ball to chase that was really underthrown. And that's the one I was like, oh, he almost had like 350 and three touchdowns. But that one just ended up short and chase couldn't. You're talking about at the end of the game? Uh, It was like in the middle of the game, wasn't it? It Okay. Yeah, you're not talking about where where there was potentially pass interference that didn't get called. Got it. End of the game, not the perfect pass, but this one was uncatchable. That was the issue. Yeah, the, there was beef between Burrow and Chase about that. I, I asked them both about it. That's why I was curious because Chase said that the one at the end of the game was underthrown and Burrow dismissed it. Keep going, though. Sam. Maybe by like two inches or something. Yeah, you know? it looked good to me, too. I agree. The other one was underthrown by a couple yards. So that's the issue. Um, you were just hoping for DPI in those situations. Uh, but Could have gotten it, too, to be honest, on that particular play. But I'm a little bit sensitive to defensive backs that just get jumped into. So I am like, I don't know. On the other side, I'd be really upset if like Cheeto got called oh, for yeah. DPI just because. But, but you've seen that called. For oh, sure. yeah. All the time. Flacco was a master of it. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, Burrow overall, his pocket movement's getting better. It just feels like the rust is falling off completely. The accuracy is just not where the Joe Burrow accuracy has been in the past. Uh, I think that's what we're waiting on, but timing, everything's getting better. I think he's trusting this offensive line more, the less he's getting hit. Um, And they didn't play perfect. They gave up hits and uh, everything, but it wasn't, I think with Jonah playing pretty solid and they can help Collins out, it turns into like, you just have to help one guy and the other guy is holding his own. And then the interior is doing okay. So there's going to be some pressure once in a while. You're going to take a couple hits, but you're not getting hit from both sides on every other play and have to get the ball out really, really quickly. Yeah, I think that compared to previous weeks and there was a bigger problem, one, as you've pointed out, Burrow played better in the pocket, but two, there there were fewer multiple issues on the same play kind of things. Like there was their, their plays where Cordell Volson's giving up a quick pressure but Burrow's getting the ball out quickly or Burrow has an escape lane because the rest of the offensive line is doing okay. And also I think it might be a product of the matchup a little bit. Like there's no dynamic super athlete for Miami. So got a lot of like really powerful guys. Jalen Phillips gave Cordell Volson a few problems. Christian Wilkins gave everybody on that interior problems with his power, but Wilkins doesn't have the juice to finish play. So he was like winning reps and then couldn't actually finish plays a little bit as a pass rusher as well was something that was something that I noticed. But generally I did think the pass protection was better and certainly better than the worst pass protection game of the season, according to PFF, which yeah. I, I did not see, you know, and, and maybe that's just the way that they aggregate gr- grades at this point. And, you know, more guys losing a handful of reps is worse than one guy losing a bunch of reps. I don't know how their, how their system worked, but I thought it was pretty good. And, and like you said, Mike, like, the accuracy is the last thing that needs to come back for Burrow. It was a little inconsistent. He 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 hit a few really nice downfield throws. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, all getting in on that fun, and all playing really well. With each of them having individually great plays, Jamar Chase smoking a backup corner on the release and forcing Joe Burrow to throw to him when he wanted to throw it to T on that play. T. Higgins stacking Xavier Howard with really good hand fighting at the top of the route. And then really good late hands from T. Higgins on that play. And then Tyler Boyd beating two guys on a bracket with a double move. That was really nice as well. But then there were some intermediate accuracy issues for Burrow, I thought. What what, what do you think about that, Mike? Is that something that's just, you know, I I think it's going to be there soon, but just a little inconsistent right now? 
Yeah, I mean, we could just trace it still back to he didn't practice that much in the training camp, and he's getting into the flow without playing any preseason games. So this is him getting back into rhythm, Mm -hmm. and I think it's still just – I came on here a few weeks ago, and I was like, yeah, it's going to take time. And things have gotten a little bit better, but it's still kind of the story of like, yeah, it's just going to take a little bit more time. But now they're two and two, so you you feel okay with the time (laughs) argument rather than like, they need to win now, there's no time. But now it's like, okay, there's there's time, it's going to come back. And by the time they're playing, maybe not next week against the Ravens, but by the time the back half of the schedule is a really rough part. So by the time they're playing that, Burrow should be deadly accurate again, I would hope. And uh, my last thought on the Dolphins' defense is just um, they tried the cover zero thing. They wouldn't be a cover zero team if they trusted their pass rush that much. And uh, it was like the one of the first plays, and he throws a smoke alert to T. Higgins, mm-hmm. makes a guy miss and runs for like 10 yards. And I think they went, oh, crap, these receivers, can, you know, they can run after the catch. You might not want to do this. And it was on Xavier Howard, too. So it's like their best corner that is on the ground. And if T. Higgins doesn't slip on that play, he's running for a long way. Yeah, he would have been. And let's stick with T. Higgins real quick, because obviously it was a big day for T. Um, Jamar doubled. Boyd doubled uh, a lot of the game. How do you think the Bengals adjusted there? Because I think that's one of those things where if I'm the Dolphins, I wouldn't have doubled Tyler Boyd. I would have tried to take away T, especially after that deep touchdown, and they didn't. The story of the game was essentially we're going to take away those two guys, and we're going to put our best guy on your on T Higgins, your second best guy, and whoever wins that matchup kind of won the game, and T won the matchup, so he kind of won the game for them by uh, winning that. That was the key matchup of the game, I think, was just we're trusting our guy one on one with yours, and the Bengals are like bet, yeah. It's it's kind of one of those things where if it worked, you might see other teams copy it. It it didn't work. This isn't somebody figuring out, you know, put a bunch of guys flat on the line of scrimmage to take away the Rams wide zone. And now we've solved your offense. This is not something that I would advise other teams in the NFL to do, but not everything was roses for this Bengals offense. We'll talk about some of the things that weren't working on some of those stagnant drives in the middle of the game coming up next. But first, a word from Prize Picks because Prize Picks, well, you need to get in on the action. It's daily fantasy. So on Monday Night Football, you're going to have Matt Stafford, you're going to have Jimmy G, Debo Samuel, and the 49ers. And well, you pick two to five players and decide if they're going to score more or less than their Prize Picks projection. That's it. And you do that. And if you get it right, you're going to win money. We've had a bunch of listeners i've gotten a bunch of dms about prize picks and how they're winning money this football season and you can too entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's not just nfl it's men's college football uh basketball women's college basketball soccer wnba esports so much more so go there now and check them out prize picks by the way withdrawals are safe and fast download the price picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first-time users can receive a 100 instant deposit up to 100 dollars with promo code locked on that's it download the app or go to pricepicks.com use promo code locked on you're going to get a 100 bonus again use promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason Look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Like I said, not everything was perfect for this Bengals offense. They had a few drives. It looked like they were stuck in the mud a little bit. A lot of that to do with the running game. I wouldn't say it's only the running game. There, there are still, I think, some things that you could iron out in the passing game. It's not perfect, but very few teams are. But the, the biggest issue seems to be they just can't run the ball consistently. They even got out to a pretty good start in this one, running the ball early. And then later in the game, when Samaj P. Ryan against the Jets in week three was able to come in there and just bludgeon guys to run eight minutes off the clock to finish the game, that wasn't there this week for the Bengals. Mike, what's going wrong with the Bengals running game? Yeah, the Dolphins played a lot of bare fronts. Uh, so that means you have a head-up guy over the center and two guys over the guards. And that really just kills a zone game, and it did for the Bengals. But then to try to get to uh, some of their power stuff, but it just feels like they haven't really – they didn't think their power game was going to be – or their gap stuff was going to end up being like the focal point of the running offense. They thought they were still going to be a wide zone team. They're just finding out like we're not as good at this as we thought we might be. So it's been kind of a gradual change. I do think we've been seeing less and less of it. And this game might've even been more gap power stuff than it was uh, zone stuff, but it's not like the gap power stuff was working super well. It just worked a little bit better than the zone. And uh, I would say Mixon's a little bit better on the zone than he is the power, but Hey, you're not doing it on zone, so you guys, you got to just roll with whatever the offensive line's working with. I thought there were a couple good plays with uh, him on a, a GY counter, which is the guard and tight end counter pulling around. Um, guard kicks out, tackle wraps around. He reads the butt of the tackle and cuts off of that. He actually made a guy miss, which is, yeah, I know, surprising for Mixon this year, <laughs> and goes for like eight <laughs> yards. <laughs> but <laughs> I think Mixon's injury is what plays a little bit into it with the uh, ankle that he's been – dealing with for three straight weeks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's why he couldn't finish the Jets game. Then it's a short week and he's supposed to be fine. I, I'm a little bit skeptical, but I think he's just going to play through it. So I think when that gets better, and then like I've mentioned, the offensive line communication has been off more in the run game than it is the pass game. I think these are where you're seeing a lot of uh, guys coming free because of either a missed double or honestly, they're also missing a lot in that run game too. I think of Law Collins missing mm-hmm. on that toss play, just getting smoked on the line. So there, it feels like there's a few reasons. And then the last one is just what I mentioned earlier is that it feels like they haven't repped the stuff that works better as much as they've repped the zone stuff. That's not working pretty much at all. Let's talk about Law Collins a little bit because you just touched on Joe Mixon and I wanted to ask you about Mixon, but Law Collins, we know all the hype. We know everything that went into to him coming to Cincinnati and, you know, being posted up at Kenwood Mall and the selfies and Lel Watch and everything like that. And it was an underwhelming start, but the offensive line does appear to be getting a little better and improving in weeks three and four. But specifically with him, does he look any different than he did the first couple of weeks? And just what stood out uh, on Thursday night? Good, bad, ugly with Lel Collins. Not really. And I feel like that's my concern is that this isn't a rust thing. This is a he's playing with a nagging back injury thing. He doesn't look the same as he did in his worst games in Dallas. It's just all his weaknesses are being magnified right now. Had a nice snatch trap, though. Got a defender on his face. So there's a plus. But other than that, yeah, I I feel like it's 
it's not like he's been abysmal. It's just he's been kind of bad, and you expected this guy to be really good because even in the playoff game last year, after he was benched and came back, he did a good job in that game. One of the few Cowboys offensive linemen to do a good job. So I don't know. Uh, you hope. I mean, the hope is that like a long week, his back rests up and he comes in a little bit better. But uh, if you want to hope more than that, maybe you wait till the bye week. And uh, other than that, uh, I don't know. It's just you might just have to deal with this all year. He's he's really moving poorly. The the change of direction. Every time he's on the ground, you see him get up. It, it's hard for him to get up. Like he looks got some old man getting up off the ground when he when it, he's on the it, ground. And it, it, and it would looks make like sense he's because labored. it's his back. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, and and, the, and that's going to impact this, your core. And but it, it's really like the pass sets are at times ugly when he's losing around the edge. Since week one, you see him diving at guys just to try to buy that extra half second for his quarterback. Like it just seems like he's not playing at full capacity. And and like you said, Mike, like we're seeing probably the worst stretch of play in his career. Like some stuff we haven't seen from Collins as a pro. As excited as we were, there is something to the Cowboys couldn't trade him for anything. And then they also, Collins on the open market, got not much money. So you do think of it like, well, I guess the signs were there. We kind of talked about it as like, oh, the Cowboys didn't get a good enough offer. That's fine. Was, you know, that's weird, but, you know, it's fine. They didn't want to pay that money. And then the Bengals signed him for a low contract. He's like, oh, he just really wanted to play with Frank Pollock. But now there's a little bit of thought in my head that's like, Oh, maybe it wasn't just. But that. he was he was good last year, though. Yeah, like, that, that's I, what I don't get about all it, of this. Is he was still good last year? I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's the back. I mean, he. They're literally, and you guys watch more than I do, but I've watched him. He just falls over. Oh, like there are times he cannot get to where he wants to get, and so he just falls into the guy to try to block. I mean, that's that's rough. Yeah, that started week one, <laughs> and I just haven't really <laughs> I, seen it since. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it every week since. Not, I haven't seen it. So I've seen it every. Yeah, week. I mean, it's continued, and so maybe the rest, right? So, like the the two guys we've talked about the most this time, Collins, Mixon. Hopefully, rest helps them. I think Collins's issue is a little more serious because it's a back. I mean, anytime you've had a back thing, it sucks. It sucks doing anything with it. So, I don't know. Whatever treatment that he can get, hopefully, he's getting it right now. It impacts really like your entire, obviously anybody that's had a back injury, it impacts your entire body. And when you're trying to move 300 pound men on a regular basis who also want to move you and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of impact happening. That, that's a tough spot. Uh, you, you mentioned some of the other offensive linemen. Cordell Volson had a couple nice blocks on those GY counters you're talking about. He had a couple nice blocks as a puller, I thought. Missed a couple other times. Like I said, the speed of Jalen Phillips on some inside moves coming all the way from like four I or five tech across the guard's face got him a couple times. But did anyone else stand out for you? You talked about Jonah Williams playing a little bit of a nicer game. Anybody else on this offensive line stand out to you? Uh, I thought, uh, in any uh, respects? Yeah, I thought T- Teddy Karras played real mean, <laughs> which is I didn't see the first three weeks. He was putting guys in the ground. And mm-hmm. uh, that was something I didn't see as often in pass protection too. That's where he got a couple pancakes. So I, I wanted to shout him out because that was a, to me, that was a nice game. I'm sure. I don't know if PFF agrees because of the uh, uh, grade that the entire offensive line got. And I don't think he got a good one, but uh, when I watched, I was like, Oh man, he just put another guy in the ground in pass protection, <laughs> gave Burrow a clean pocket. So 
I don't know. I really liked uh, his performance that game. And I also think it is a little inflated because I love seeing him do the whole fist pump at the end of the mix and touchdown. I thought that was like the end of like an eighties movie. <laughs> like, cut to the credits. <laughs> you see the video of him like running off the field and like, he's, yes. he's like pretty excited. And, and then just randomly just does the same thing. Like, yeah. Just like really <laughs> stoked with, with winning. Ted Karras is easy to like. He's so easy to like. Right. And, uh, it's it's funny he went under the radar of the three editions this off season and yeah lowest money all of those things just but been a, a stabilizer there in the middle of the offensive line um, so yeah we'll see if he can keep it up he's certainly likable and he's fun to talk to in the locker room up next without further ado it's time to talk about the defense because that's let's be honest here the defense balled out again holding the Dolphins to just one touchdown what went right. For Lou Anarumo's crew. We'll dive into that next, right here on Locked On Bengals. But we haven't talked about built bars for probably too long. Built bars, our favorite protein bars on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And they have these built bar puffs we've talked about a couple times. We're going to remind you of those today because if you haven't tried them, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And there's a new flavor indulgent delicious cookie dough covered in chocolate and we're talking about a protein bar this is not a snack well it could be a snack it's just a protein infused healthier snack than i don't know a reese's cup or snickers bar real chocolate real cookie dough chunks low sugar 15 grams of protein 160 calories 16 grams of protein 15 grams of protein 160 calories in what sounds like a delicious dessert treat. Built Bars have tons of flavors. If that doesn't appeal to you, you can check all of that out at built.com. We've got a promo code for you. Use LOCK15. You're going to get 15% of your order at built.com, whether it's a cookie dough chunk puff, my favorite, the chocolate brownie almond. So many great choices over at built.com. And again, promo code LOCK15. Got to tell you about Schultz and Sons because we're so excited to have partnered with a local jeweler that is going to give all of you the best treatment, whether you're looking for custom jewelry, whether you're looking for a specific piece that you just don't know what you're looking Matt and his family have been in a business for over 50 years. They're AGS certified. One and nine jewelers are AGS certified. So it's not like every jewelry store is certified. And the thing is, is they're going to give you the guidance that you're looking for. Because if you're like me, you don't know a ton about jewelry outside of a hot take chain. So if you're looking for an engagement ring, if you're looking for maybe a hot take chain or earrings for her, whatever the case is, Matt and, and, and everyone there at Schultz Jewelers, they're, they're, they're going to be able to get you set up right at Schultz & Sons. So what you need to do is make sure you go to SchultzDiamonds.com. And you can just go to Dixie Highway. They're located in Fort Mitchell, just five minutes from the bridge into Kentucky in Kroger Plaza, uh, directly off the interchange. So they got a parking lot there for you. It's not like you're going to have to find parking or anything like that. And they're going to be able to guide you so you can find the piece that you're looking for. So stop by and tell them that you're a Bengals fan. They're huge Bengals fans, by the way. And tell them Locked On Bengals sent you. Matt Schultz and his team, it's a Cincinnati tradition. They've been in business, like I said, for more than 50 years. Check them out right now at schulzdiamonds.com. And remember, when it has to be perfect, it has to be Schultz and Sons. 
Let's keep going with the defense here, guys, because as you mentioned, James, the defense is a big reason this team is where it is right now. It's a big reason they had a chance to win those first two games of the year when the offense was having a hard time getting things going. And uh, a few obvious great games, Von Bell with the interceptions, that, that stands out. And one of them an elite play, especially for Von Bell coming from one half of the field to the other side of the field to make that pick. But Mike, you and I were talking as we were watching the defense yesterday today. Sam Hubbard playing one of the best games I've seen from him as a Bengal, just absolutely destroying whether it's Greg Little, the matchup he had for most of the day at right tackle for the Dolphins, just outmatched, or even you know Liam Eikenberg trying to pull across the formation on some running plays. Sam Hubbard was just a wrecking ball. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you, you think that somebody needs to step up and pass rush when DJ Reader goes out. And Sam, <laughs> Sam Hubbard was like, yeah, I got it. No problem. <laughs> he puts the right tackle on his butt one time, almost comes over the sack. And that would have been an all-time uh, clip if he could have knocked the right tackle onto his butt and made the sack. I mean, that's like Geno Atkins type stuff. But uh, somehow Teddy got out of that. <laughs> that, was really, that was kind of impressive, Teddy, on that one. But, um, yeah, and – for the early part of the game, that is uh, what not that the blind side is the blind side anymore with all the shotgun stuff, but it is Tatua's backside and he can see it better than, you know, we think of, but it is still like not the fit way he's facing. So it's harder to get out of. So getting those sacks, those are, those are pretty good. Not sacks, but pressures. Those are, those are pretty good. And then, yeah, you continued against uh, Teddy, but he just dominated the right tackle uh, multiple quarterback hits from just his bull rush. He had a, and then I'm talking so much about his pass rush. He did a really good job in the run game, as always. <laughs> he sets a strong edge, takes on pullers. He does a, he did a really good job on uh, this blitz where they brought a guy off the edge. The tackle kind of steps out towards him. He gets inside and then uh, makes the tackle on top of one of the offensive linemen's uh, dead corpses on the ground. <laughs> Just he beats that offensive lineman and puts the running back on top of him. <laughs> so. I, I I really liked what Sam Hubbard did in this game. I, I think he had a really strong case as the best player on the defense, despite Von Bell coming away with two interceptions, which it's it's it is gonna be hard to argue that. But uh, I think overall, if you just the consistency in which he was playing with the entire night, which is something that's hard for a safety to consistently impact the game the same way an edge rusher can. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the argument. The consistency that Hubbard was able to bring pressure and stop the run versus Von Bell's big splash interceptions. Let's talk a little bit about the, the secondary. And there was a ton about Tyreek Hill, Eli Apple, all of that stuff. But I actually want to focus on Jalen Waddle because he was as scary to me as Tyreek Hill and super productive, had, you know, second in the NFL in yards after catch going into this game. Two receptions, doesn't do damage. What, what did the Bengals do to make sure that 17 didn't beat them? I mean, the first thing is kind of that Waddle isn't Hill. <laughs> I think Hill moves just different than anybody else in the league. I was actually talking to Jake about it last night. I was like, Hill moves like an RC car <laughs> where he just stops and starts insanely fast. Uh, and he has the best top end speed in the league. Waddle has near that top end speed, but he doesn't have the stop start change of direction that Hill has. And Hill's really strong and stout and Waddle's a little bit more slim and can be kind of hit a little bit. And Eli Apple loves to <laughs> really toe the line. I think he got called for one toe the line with uh, hitting receivers while they're getting into their routes and disrupting them. So uh, I think, I think the disruption of the routes kind of bothered Waddle a bit. He also definitely dropped 
I think two passes. Um, one, it felt like he heard Jesse Bates's footsteps off of the roof. And then the other one was just kind of, a, you know, just drop. It happens. Um, so he didn't play a good game, uh, really. But the top, what I think the difference is, that it's really, it's almost impossible. The Bengals managed it somehow twice last year. But it's almost impossible to stop Tyree Kill, whereas Waddle, you can disrupt him a little bit more. This is actually something going back to his draft profile. I was like, oh man, the 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 Crimson Tide really like to hide him when he goes outside and put him in stacks and get him all these free releases because they don't want him getting hit. And then you mm-hmm. see in the NFL where they're not doing that as much and he gets hit and you're like, yeah, you can kind of see why they would do that. So he could just fly off the line versus actually having to fight the corner to get his hands off of him. And I think the Bengals actually had a pretty nice game against Tyree Kill too until he caught a 64-yard pass. And and then he goes from like 90 yards and, you know, a pretty solid game. Like for, for you know, any receiver would take a 90-something yard game on how many catches did he have? Eight catches or something like that. Uh, Ten catches. You know, you take that down, minus 64 yards, minus a catch. It's a good game, but it's a game that if you're playing Tyree Kill, you probably would take if you're the yeah, Bengals. Defense. stopping Waddle. And it was it was such a close play, and and it's like you know free free run. Teddy throws it as hard as he can. Shadobe Abuzier is right there, right on the hip. Just you know, you just can't really run with that guy sixty yards down the field. It gets gets pretty challenging at some point. <laughs> Outside of that, I thought they had a pretty good a pretty good general approach. Let's talk about the rest of this defensive line, though, before we get out of here, because Trey Hendrickson and the marquee matchup of the game for this defense, I thought outside of the Tyree Kill stuff with Taron Armstead at left tackle for the Dolphins, I thought he had a pretty nice game against one of the better tackles he'll face this year. And then the absence of DJ Reader on the interior, I, I felt it personally. So so what do you think of those the rest of the defensive line, I guess, besides besides Hubbard in this one? Yeah, Hendrickson's matchup, I wrote about that. I was just like, look, <laughs> that guy's really good on the other side. This is a good guy. This is the Battle of the Titans. They both won theirs. Um, I think early in the game, Armstead definitely had control over Hendrickson. I know that that whole – we're not going to get into the whole holding debate, I don't think. Just the rip move is why it's not being called. You know, it looks like it, but he's still moving his feet. Um, but he was able to end up – towards the end of the game, I don't know if it's like a, a fatigue body blows type thing. His bull rush started really working on Armstead. And that's, oh, yeah. that's surprising because Armstead has got a really good anchor. So being able to pound into that guy, I know he's a little bit lighter, but he's got a good anchor. He's a really, really, he's probably the best left tackle he faces this year. Cause I don't think they play Tunsil. I think they don't play Trent. So I have him top three. I don't know. <laughs> they don't play Bakhtiari if Bakhtiari is even playing. So, um, but anyway, he's able to actually pry open his shoulder on one. He's able to drive him back and make Teddy flush the pocket on another. I was really impressed with that. And they used what I talked about, some of those tech stunts to attack Eichenberg a little bit and the communication between two guys that have never really played together. So they did a good job with a good game plan. They dropped him a lot more than you'd probably like, but also it's against an elite pass rusher or pass protector. So I also kind of get it. But uh Overall, I was impressed with Hendrickson a lot in this game. And then the interior, B.J. Hill was impressive. Carter and uh, uh, Sample can flash. They're not consistent. Tupo, they did just kind of stick Tupo into the reader spot. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, like, are they going to play that, like, 5-2-3-4 with Tupo trying to take the center, go either way on him? And they did, and it didn't work perfectly. But 
I think Hubbard and Hill and some guys stepped up to make that work better. And a guy we haven't talked about somehow at all, Logan Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, and the linebackers in general, but Logan Wilson played some really good run defense in this game. Yeah, Logan yeah, Wilson. I, go ahead, James. Th- that's where I was going to go. I wanted to, to hit on these linebackers because – I thought Akeem Davis Gaither, you know, made some plays. Obviously, Logan Wilson had the the huge play um, on in a you know short yarded situation to to get the ball back to the offense. So, what did you think of the group overall? And yeah, start with Wilson because obviously he's the star of the group. Yeah, third and one. That was the biggest play to me. And he makes a tip to get that second pick, which was an awesome play from him to like diving tip the ball into the air for Von Bell to pick off. Who had it? Von Bell had a great game. We've talked about. I haven't talked about it in depth, but you know he had a great game. Um, but Logan Wilson with the pass coverage on the tip, and then my favorite play was that third and one, and they go to run the ball, and BJ Hill does a really good job on his guy and just throws him to the ground. And I think all the defensive linemen stood up pretty well on that play. They're all strong and they hold the hold the fort. And Wilson's free, and he matches Chase Edmonds. And usually, you want to tackle guys hips and lower. You know, you think of like take out the engine type stuff. But when it's short yardage, uh, you actually want to take them high because they're going to fall forward if you hit them low. So now you're not going to let them fall forward. So he takes them high, and he just shows off the the Wyoming country strength as he drives <laughs> Chase Edmonds backwards into the ground for a loss of like two yards, and they had to punt after that because they're not going for a four to three. I thought they were going for it if they didn't if it was a no game type situation. Yeah. Uh, so the making him lose yards was I think huge in that situation. He had a great game, and the linebackers in general. What an awesome time it is to be a Bengals fan that. For years, everybody has been complaining. They don't have any linebackers. Now they got three guys that I feel confident in, and then yeah. two some other guys that played well last year. <laughs> yeah, they, they have good depth at the position. Like all the way down, you feel like you've seen these guys at least flash all the way down the depth chart to be consistently good at the top of the depth chart. Jermaine Pratt, I think, playing really solid football as well. Uh, not, not that we necessarily highlighted him individually, but he's just generally been pretty good. I thought it was interesting in this game from a, from a workload perspective. Jermaine Pratt coming back from that injury did play less, and Akeem Davis-Gaither was on the field mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more maybe than otherwise he would have been this week, but mostly those guys were back in their roles, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, Logan Wilson continues to be a pretty impressive player not not perfect by any means you know most of these guys aren't perfect but really really strong general play at linebacker there was one play early in the game bj hill tips a pass intended for i think a tight end and uh logan wilson just couldn't get his eyes on the ball floating in the air so 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 logan wilson like breaks on the tight end and the ball floats very slowly to where logan wilson was standing but he's breaking on the pass, and so he wasn't there to catch. It could have been another takeaway for the Bengals, just like Eli Apple's interception on the sideline, I think, could have been an interesting challenge. I I think there were a couple potential interesting ones there. Any other notes on the defense, Mike, before we get out of here? No, just uh, this defense is great. I mean, statistically, by DVOA, they're the seventh-ranked defense in the league going into this week. And I got to imagine, considering what the Dolphins have done to other teams, it's going up to maybe the fifth or somewhere. So I think we just need to give the defense its credit because they took that hot run in the playoffs and they've just gotten better. And even without DJ Reader, I was a little bit skeptical of what they could do without DJ Reader. And I'm more skeptical about next week with a powerful run game without DJ Reader type things. But overall, I, I was impressed with the defense and I hope that can continue because this is a really fun group to watch. A powerful run game powered by a quarterback 
which DJ Reader still helps with. I, I did think that like the escapability from Teddy Bridgewater in this game was a problem I don't think they anticipated having to deal with. And with Lamar Jackson, that's obviously a bigger problem. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bengals tackle that particular problem. But like you said, Mike, by, by DVOA, since we're talking DVOA, I think Miami's offense going into this game was second in the NFL. And uh, the Bengals hold that unit to 15 points. And relatively speaking, I would say in check. So that'll be interesting to see what the math says. Don't always agree with DVOA's outputs, but it'll be interesting nonetheless. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The passing offense getting back on track, powered by its star wide receivers. The running offense from run blocking to Joe Mixon has some work to do. I think the under center game in general has some work to do. We didn't even talk about Joe Mixon potentially tipping plays. I think there is something to that. I think, you know, as we rewatch the game, that trend does stand out. And this is really the first time that it was this consistent. So we'll see if that continues next week. And the defense continues to put this team in positions to win games. And going forward, you, you take that if there's going to be some more improvement for this offense. And that is certainly something that we can hope for on this mini buy. Until next time, Bengals fans, the Bengals are going to be back in the building. We're going to get a mailbag, an hour mini buy, perhaps back in the works. And so keep an eye out on Twitter for that. Thanks for listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Ahude, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.